Well, as I said before, we're continuing our series in Ruth. This is a great story about love, a great story about loss, and a great story about loyalty. Um, I had a question to begin with. Uh, have you ever sacrificially worked? Have you ever just poured yourself out, worked and given and sacrificed to help somebody else over and over, even sometimes when that person didn't seem to show a lot of appreciation, even sometimes when that person might have been a little cranky at you despite all of the work that you did for them. Another question is, have you ever found yourself in such a desperate place in life wondering how God could possibly get you out of this, how, how there could possibly be a way forward for you in the midst of this desperate time you find yourself in. If you can relate to either of those questions, then you know the feeling that Ruth is going through in our story. You know, we've said that Ruth is a story of loss, of love, and of loyalty. And last week we began our series with Ruth. It began uh, in chapter 1 with loss. And by the way, if you want to know where Ruth is, it's in your Bibles. It's the eighth book in in the Hebrew Scriptures, or what Christians call the Old Testament. It's only four chapters. It's a short read. It's a great story. It's a great love story. So all you women, you know, tune in. This is a, this is a Bible romantic novel uh, right there. But it's only four chapters. It's a beautiful story of kindness and redemption and how God can take all things and work, to get, work them together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purposes. So our story last week began with loss. There's a woman named Naomi. She's a Jewish wife and a mother, and she moved with her family away from the nation of Israel over to a, a nation on the southeastern part of the Dead Sea. It's a, a nation called Moab. So she moves her whole family there, and then her husband, Elimelech, he dies. Her two sons, Malan and Kilian, they marry these two women, Ruth and Orpah, not Oprah, but Orpah. And... Uh, soon her husbands both pass away as well. So Naomi finds herself a Jewish widow in a foreign land, having lost her husband, having lost her sons, and she's destitute, and she, the only thing she has left in her life is this very loyal daughter-in-law who's not even an Israelite. She's a Moabitess, and her name is Ruth. Ruth wasn't Jewish. She didn't grow up knowing about the God of Israel, the God who had rescued them out of slavery in Egypt and brought them into this promised land. She had no clue who this God was until she met Naomi and her family. And Ruth became a believer and a follower of the God of Israel. So Ruth now decides that she's going to go back with Naomi back to the land of Israel. And the question is, okay, how would she, how would Ruth, who is a foreigner and a destitute widow, how would she fare in a land where there was enmity between the Israelites and the Moabites? How would they treat her, a foreign woman? We saw loyalty in chapter 1. We saw Ruth, who was unwilling to leave her mother-in-law. Ruth declared that she was going to remain loyal to Naomi no matter what, and Ruth promised these words, great words of loyalty. Where you go, and this is Ruth speaking to Naomi. As Naomi's leaving the land of Moab, going back to Israel, Ruth says to her, Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. So 
This loyalty is declared. Naomi make the journey back to Israel. They finally arrive there. That's where we ended up at the end of last week. They arrive in Bethlehem. And here it is in the providence of God. They arrive in Bethlehem at a very good time, at a very hopeful time, because it says they arrive back in Bethlehem as the barley harvest, as the barley harvest was beginning. So this would be early springtime in Israel. This would probably be around late March or early April, around what we would know as Easter time. So Naomi and Ruth, they make it back to Bethlehem. First goal was accomplished. But the next goal is, now that we've made it back to Bethlehem, how are they going to survive? How are they going to live? Because they're poor and they're destitutes and they're widows and they had no welfare system back in that day. Uh, we don't know whether any relatives took Naomi in or not. Here's where the hope comes because Ruth is in conversation with Naomi and Naomi is teaching Ruth about the God of Israel and about his laws and ways that he's providing blessing for his people. And Ruth learns about this law that's, that happens at harvest time where the poor people of society, they are allowed in God's law to follow the harvesters. And the, and the poor people in the land are allowed to pick up what the harvesters left behind. Look what God told the Israelites what they should do. And this is, this is a wonderful thing about our God, that even in the Mosaic law, there is a concern that God has for the poor and the widow and the destitute. He says this in Leviticus, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the alien. I am the Lord your God. And in case the Israelites said, oh, well, we forgot about that law, uh, he makes sure to repeat it again in Deuteronomy. And he says, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, you know the whole thing we sing at Thanksgiving time, it's only like 11 days away, right? Bringing in the sheaves, well, that's what sheaves are, plural of a sheaf during the harvest time. And he says, when, you, when you're harvesting and, and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And so God was making provision for the poor. And, and Ruth learns about that law. And here's the wonderful thing about Ruth. She's destitute. She's poor. She doesn't know the way in the future, but she doesn't just sit on her hands. She doesn't just pray and say, God, help me, and then sit there and wait for a miracle. She prayed that God would help her, and then she said, okay, now, now that I have prayed and asked for God's intervention and His blessing and His, and, His, and His provision, I need to get up and do something. What is it that I can do? And so Ruth learns about this law, and she jumps at the opportunity. And so it says this, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone who's in whose eyes I find favor. And Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, she entered her field, and she began to glean behind the harvesters. And I put this in yellow so you wouldn't miss it. You guys all see those four words? As it turned out, like, hmm, coincidence? I don't think so. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now, Elimelech was Naomi's husband. So on her husband's side of the family, there were uh, other Israelite men, and many of them owned parcels of land. And this particular parcel of land was owned by a relative 
of Naomi's dead husband, Elimelech. And his name was Boaz. And so I want to focus on that, those four words, as it turned out. A closer look at the Hebrew phrase would be, uh, she just happened to chance upon. Of all the fields that were surrounding Bethlehem, Ruth found herself working in a field belonging to this man, Boaz. Imagine that. This is a great understated way of saying that God was involved behind the scenes, that his providence was at work, that God was involved to bring this young Moabitess woman named Ruth and this Israelite man named Boaz. God's providence was to bring them together and this was the way that he arranged the meat cute like they say in the movies. Ruth just, quote, happened to be gleaning barley in a field belonging to Boaz, and now Boaz just happens to show up in this particular field at the very time where Ruth is there gleaning behind the harvesters. Now, we know all about Ruth from last week, right? She's a Moabitess. She's a woman who believes in God. She's faithful to her mother-in-law. She's been kind to her, and now she's willing to work hard to provide a living if this is the way God's law allows it. So we know a lot of things about Ruth. What do we know about Boaz? Who is this man Boaz? It says here, now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing. That's a nice way of saying he was wealthy. He was well off. A man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. When you see that word clan, I mean, don't be thinking about hoods and riding horses at night with torches, right? This was, this clan, you, you, when they divided people up in the Israelite community, they had, they had the 12 tribes, right? Like Reuben and Gad and Asher and Manasseh. This, this family tribe was from the tribe of Judah. And then the next grouping below that would be the clan. And then the next grouping below that would be the family. So this man is from the clan, the same clan of, of Elimelech on the same side of the husband's family. And this is this man, Boaz. So uh, just then, it says, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and he greeted the harvesters. Now, what can we learn about Boaz's character from this greeting? He says, the Lord be with you. And the harvesters replied, the Lord bless you. So he's showing kindness. He's a man of standing. He's wealthy. He's highly respected. And by this greeting, we can uh, surmise that he was a godly man and that he was kind in spirit. And, but he also was a man, and he had a pair of eyes. And look who his eyes chanced upon. So he says, then he notices Ruth. So um, he says, Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, he says, who does that young woman belong to? In other words, just like in that movie, New, or that, that show New Girl, uh, who's that girl, who's that girl, it's Ruth. Okay, so uh, Bo, <laughs> you got to know the show. Um, <laughs> Boaz notices Ruth immediately. Who is this girl? Where, why do you think Boaz noticed her? Well, besides the obvious reasons, right? Why did Boaz notice her? There, uh, there were lots of harvesters in the field. Why did he take particular notice of Ruth? Well, maybe she was dressed like a foreigner. Maybe she looked like a Moabitess and, is, and she stood out in a crowd because of that. Maybe because she wasn't with the harvesters, she was falling behind the harvesters and, and he knew that the Mosaic law was such that the poor and, and the needy could follow behind them. So maybe she was one of the poor and maybe also it's because Ruth was attractive. So pick any one of the reasons. I particularly think it was a combination of all three. 
uh, the term young woman. And that's right. Remember, he says, who does this young woman belong to? Who, the term young woman, that means that Ruth was of marriageable age. Boaz saw her, and he liked what he saw. Ruth didn't know it yet, but this day, while she is working hard, probably by the sweat of her brow, literally, working hard out there, gleaning the barley stalks, this day would be the turning point in Ruth's life. This day would be the turning point in Boaz's life. So he says, who's that girl? And the overseer replies in verse 6. He says, she's the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. I, I don't know why they, re they phrased it that way. She's a Moabite and she came back from Moab. It's like, hello, kind of obvious. Um, she said, please, and, but here's, here's the thing about Ruth I want you to notice. Hey, look how polite she is. Look how humble she is. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into this field and she's remained here from morning till now except for a short rest in the shelter. So the overseer, he saw Ruth as polite. He saw her as respectful. He took note that Ruth was a hard worker. She wasn't slacking. She wasn't whining about her work. She wasn't stopping every two minutes. Oh, I'm tired. Um, she was very happy to have work to do. In fact, I think Ruth was one of those that was grateful to God to even have this work to do. As hard as she had to work, thank you, God, for making provision for me. She didn't have some entitlement ship chip on her shoulder like the world owed something to her. She put her hands and her back into work, into work that would literally provide food for her and for her mother-in-law, Naomi. And her good work is noticed by the overseer. And her good work is also noticed by this man, Boaz. Boaz is impressed with Ruth. He wants to help out this young woman. So look what it says in verse 8. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Do not go and glean in another field. Don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. I've I, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. Wow, what a kind attitude toward a needy a, a woman who is poor and in need. What do you notice about Boaz here, just from these verses right here? Such a kind man. He, first of all, he refers to Ruth as his daughter. Probably suggests that Ruth is a younger person and Boaz is more like a middle-aged man. Part of the question that always has, comes up in my mind is, why did Boaz, he's middle-aged, he's single, was he ever married before? Apparently not. Why did he wait this long to get married? We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, so Ruth, he says, is his daughter. Ruth is younger. He wants her to stay at, in his fields. He's offering to protect her. He's told all the men, don't lay a hand on her, don't bother her. He knows that as a foreign woman, as a Moabitess, she would be vulnerable to attack because the Israelites and the Moabites did not get along. Boaz is not going to let that happen. He's not going to let any harm happen to Ruth. And so Ruth hears this from Boaz, who's the landowner. Everybody's looking around him with respect. Everybody's showing him deference. And she's saying, hey, I'm in the presence of, of the man. And so Ruth can hardly believe her ears at the kindness she's showing. I imagine she gave a prayer of thankfulness. Look, God, Lord God, thank you. Thank you for helping me in this moment. And so at this, in verse 10, it says, Ruth, she bowed down with her face to the ground. I mean, she's humbling herself. And she asked him, why have I, 
Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you would notice me, a foreigner? That's a great question that any of us could ask of God. Whenever we've been shown kindness, when we've been shown favor, the King James Version translates that grace. Why have I found such grace in your eyes? Whenever we look up to God as followers of Christ and, we, and we we're reminded of the words of amazing grace, you know, I, w- I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. How is it that God would, would pour out His love and grace in our lives through His Son, Jesus Christ? How can we find favor in the eyes of holy God, though we are sinners? And it's only because God is that way. God is kind. God is loving. God is gracious. God sees us in our need. He doesn't just see us in our sin. He sees us in our need, and He sent Jesus to be our rescuer and our redeemer. And, and we're going to see that in the pages of this story in Ruth later on. So Ruth is this wonderful guy. Uh, and, and Ruth can hardly believe her ears at the favor and the kindness that she has shown. She understands that Boaz isn't, he's not just, quote, he's not just not being mean. He's not just not being indifferent to her. He is being proactively kind to her. He is proactively blessing her. And Ruth wants to know why. Why would he, why would a respected man of the Jewish community, why would he even give two shekels about this woman, Ruth? Boaz replied, and here's why. And this is, uh, if you want to know about a small town community and about word traveling fast, Boaz already knows uh, a lot about this young woman, Ruth. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother, how you left your homeland, and you came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you. What a blessing this is right here. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You know, what a tremendous blessing that Boaz bestowed upon Ruth. Little knowing Maybe a little foreshadowing in the future that Boaz was going to be the primary means of this blessing that he just gave to Ruth. So she bows down. Why did you even notice me, a foreigner? And he blesses her. May the Lord repay you for the kindness you've shown your mother-in-law, Naomi. Word travels fast. Boaz has already heard about Ruth. Um, Now here's another question. What do you notice about Boaz right here? All the nice and the kind things he said. What What do you notice about what Boaz notices about Ruth. In other words, what is Boaz, when he looks at this young woman, what does he already see in her? What, is, what are the traits that are admirable about, about Ruth that Boaz is already picking up on? Well, first, he sees Ruth's courage. He sees her willingness to step out in faith and take risks. That journey from Moaz to Moab back to Israel was no easy trip at all. Uh, he's aware of her loyalty to those she loved, her own mother-in-law, uh, Naomi. Uh, he is admirable or he's admiring her work ethic, that she can work long and hard to co- accomplish a task. And he also notices the way she appreciated what others have done for her. In other words, when somebody does a kindness to her, she remembers to say thank you. She remembers to, th- to say thank you. I, I was in uh, mindful of the joke about atheists when they, whenever something good happens to an atheist and they get so frustrated because they don't know who to thank. <laughs> she was thankful to God and she was thankful to 
Boaz for being uh, God's instrument of provision. She took good care of, Na of Naomi, and that merited respect and honor. Ruth had already earned a good reputation, even though she was a foreigner. Uh, in Bethlehem, she'd already earned a good reputation with the people. Uh, look what Proverbs 22 says this about a reputation. A good name, a good name is more desirable than great riches. And so what, reminder of what Boaz says to Ruth, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel. Boaz hopes that God is going to reward Ruth's kind actions in full. He might have only been dimly aware of it at the time, but Boaz himself would be primarily instrumental in rewarding Ruth for her kindness, for her good reputation. Remember, a good name is more desirable than great riches. Look what Dwight L. Moody said. Dwight L. Moody, and he was a man of great character. This was a man who in the 1800s was the Billy Graham evangelist of his generation. Between about 1860 and 1900, nobody ha uh, had preached and won more men and women to faith in Jesus Christ than this man, Dwight L. Moody. And this is what he said about character. He says, if I take care of my character, my reputation will take care of me. So I want to ask you a question today about your character and your reputation and what others think of you based upon what you do and say. If, if you ever wonder whether God or anyone else notices how hard you've been working, if you've ever wondered if, you, if no, anybody notices how much dedication you put into your work, I mean, you look around, does, does anybody even notice? I can assure you that there is one in this universe who does notice your hard work, does notice your sacrifice, he does notice your kindness and your willingness to help other people, and that is God himself. God notices, he knows, and God is pleased with your hard work. Look what Paul the Apostle tells the church. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Do you realize that all your hard work is not in vain? That though nobody else seems to notice how much you sacrifice for the good of other people, there's a, there is a God in heaven and he does take notice and he says he will reward you. You will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Now, again... We're not all given the same abilities. We're not all given the same resources. Um, but the one thing that we can all give, we can all give our best effort, whatever that best effort is. And God notices that and God honors that. We can all work with a kind attitude. Paul says that when you and I, when we are acting kindly uh, toward other people, uh, it is a sign that you are full of the Holy Spirit. And I know that. Because when you count off the, whole, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? You guys remember this from the book of Galatians in the New Testament? Paul's talking to this church and he says, you want to know where the Holy Spirit is really transforming somebody's life? You want to know if your own life is changing from whatever you were before to becoming more like the character of Jesus Christ? What are the signs? What are the fruit of the Spirit? And he says it's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Kindness is one of the primary fruits of the Holy Spirit. Kindness is one of those evidence that God is at work in your life. God knows when you're acting kind. He knows when you're giving your best effort. And it pleases God. And it brings honor to the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Ruth is just surprised. She is blown away 
by all of Boaz's kind attention and his blessings. And she says in verse 13, she says, may I continue to find favor in your eyes. There's another word for grace, another word for kindness. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I don't even have the standing of one of your servants. So the harvesters, later on in the story, they take a lunch break. Boaz continues to bless her. He gives her a double portion of roasted grain for, uh, for lunch. And he says, dip it in the, the wine vinegar if you want. And, and Ruth ate all she, she uh, could eat or wanted to eat. I imagine that she was hungry, whether she had enough food before, but then working all morning, she's probably starving. But she didn't even eat all the food. She saved a portion of the food for guess who? For her mother-in-law, Naomi, because she knew she'd be going home that night. And Naomi would, probably, would most likely be hungry. So she's, even as she's eating, she's on the lookout for her mother-in-law. Boaz uh, uh, continues to watch out for Ruth. He's protecting her. He, he, he gave orders to his men. And he says, even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some of the stalks for her from the bundles and leave them. You know, just accidentally, oops. Uh, a, a stock fell out. Oops, a stock fell out. Just keep walking. Don't look back. Don't embarrass her. Uh, don't make her feel like, you know, you're doing, going out of the way to do something for it. Be very subtle about it, right? Pull out some stocks from the bundles. Leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Boaz, he's really honoring Ruth. He honors her character. He's, in, he's admiring of who she is. And you see how Moaz honors Ruth in the story. I mean, he talks directly and kindly to her. He provides for her. He protects her. And he says, don't let anybody uh, come to harm. Don't let anybody bother her. And not only does he speak kindly directly to Ruth, but he speaks kindly about Ruth to other people. Now just pause and ask yourself a question. To somebody you love, if there's somebody that you love and you really care about in your life, are you doing these things for, uh, for the one that you love? Do you talk directly and kindly to them? Do you provide for them? Do you try to protect them? Do you speak kindly? Do you speak well of the one you love to other people? There's some great signs that God is at work in your life when you see that. So, great day two. Great chapter two for Ruth. She's harvested all this grain. She's going to thresh it on the threshing floor. She's probably tired. She's worn out, but she's also excited because God has shown a lot of grace and favor in her life, and she can't wait to get back and tell her mother-in-law, Naomi, all the great things that has happened. When she threshed out the grain, and this is pretty amazing, she got about one and a half weeks of food. Now, I, my shirt is out, but it's nothing like a... It, it wouldn't be like one of these tunics that they would have, but somehow they had a, a tablecloth or another wrap or a shawl or something that she could take all the food that she had harvested that day. She harvested 18 liters worth of food. 18 double gulps worth of barley. You got to think about, right? That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of food. And she's hauling it and happily carting it back to her mother-in-law, mother Naomi. I got a week and a half of food, Naomi. So she gets back home. Her mother-in-law asked her, you know, curious, Naomi, what happened? What happened? I'm sure Naomi had been praying all day. Please don't let any harm come to Ruth. Please let her find a field where she can glean. Uh, please let her find somebody who's kind to her. And so her mother's like, hey, what happened? Where'd you glean today? Where'd you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. 
the name, and, and Ruth, this is great. She holds his name till the very end. This is a great writing. The name of the man that I work for today is Boaz. And Naomi says, Boaz? I know that dude. You know, I, I know that guy. Because that was a relative of Naomi's on her father's side. It's, a, it's amazing. So the older boy now meets the girl. And the big reveal is now out in the open. The field where Ruth just, quote, happened to be gleaning was owned by Boaz. The man who showed her such kindness and favor is a relative of Naomi's. Ruth didn't know how significant this was, but I think Naomi, when she heard the name Boaz, she went, oh, wow, he was this kind to you? He was this attentive to you? He paid that much attention to you? He blessed you that much? And his name is Boaz, and he's uh, well-to-do, he's unmarried, and, and you're Ruth. I think I see some possibilities here, you know? So... Naomi is getting excited about this. Naomi senses that it is the Lord himself behind this, quote, chance meeting between her daughter-in-law, Ruth, and Boaz. And now Naomi gets even more hopeful. She gets more excited. And look what Naomi says to round out chapter 2. The Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Boaz hasn't stopped showing his kindness to the living who would be Ruth and Naomi and to the dead to honor the, the, the dead husband of Naomi and the dead husband of Ruth. And she added, this man is our close relative. This man is one of our kinsmen redeemers. When you read that term kinsmen redeemers, you got to remember that's a key uh, idea. That is a key term in the book of Ruth. Now, Ruth being a Moabitess, I don't know if it meant anything to her at all. That man's one of our kinsmen redeemers. And she says, kinsmen what? Huh? What is that all about? Well, we're going to talk about what an important role the kinsman or the family redeemer is. But you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to come back next week. Let's recap what we've shown. Let's recap where we've been so far today. Ruth has shown kindness to, to Naomi and an old Jewish widow's despera desperation. Boaz... So Ruth shows kindness to Naomi. Boaz is showing kindness to Ruth, who is a foreigner. God loves it when we show kindness to one another. Kindness is a great word translated in the Bible. It, it comes from a Hebrew word that is called chesed. Now you gotta, you gotta get your hawk up in your throat when you say that word because it's not chesed, it's not kesed, it's chesed. And it, it is a great Hebrew word that is translated faithful love. That's why you're sitting a few rows back, because you don't want to get hit by my, by my chesed, right? So it says this about God's faithful love in the Bible. Moses was describing God, and he says, know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God. He is the faithful God. So there's faithfulness wrapped up in that word chesed, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousand generations to those or with those who love him. So the New American Standard translates the Hesed word loving kindness. That God is a faithful God. He keeps his covenant. He shows his loving kindness to his people to a thousand generations. And he says, you know, the whole point of the Christian life is to imitate our Savior, Jesus. To act like him. And so when we, when we show kindness to others, when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we are acting like God does. We are acting like Jesus acts. And God notices it, and that's the kind of love that impresses him. 
We're gonna, as we're going to see, Boaz is our hero in this story. It's not because Boaz did some miracle. It's not because Boaz slew some giant that he's a hero. It's not that he parted the Red Sea or anything. Boaz is our hero in this story because he consistently did what was right. And he consistently did what was right with a kind attitude. Boaz saw someone who was vulnerable and in need, and he blessed her. He protected her. He didn't realize it just yet, but Boaz was opening the door to something amazing in his own life. And his small acts of kindness and faithfulness and loyalty, those small acts would begin a relationship that would lead to marriage and would lead to a family that would bless the rest of the world for generations. Boaz is probably middle-aged. That's why he calls Ruth my daughter. For some reason in this life, Boaz didn't yet marry. We don't know why. I doubt it was for lack of opportunity. Boaz was a man of means. He was a man of standing. I imagine there were a lot of fathers that were lining up their daughters trying to get them to marry Boaz or get Boaz to marry one of them. Until now, uh, this is why I think Boaz was middle-aged and single. Boaz had not yet found the right godly girl to partner with. And Ruth, and, and the reason he hasn't found the right girl to partner with yet is because Ruth hadn't come along yet. And until now, that is, God's at work behind the scenes. God is the one who orchestrated their meeting. And it wasn't a coincidence that Ruth just happened to be gleaning in that field. It was a God incident. God knew that they were the answer to each other's prayers. God knew that they needed each other. And God knows how to answer a prayer like, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Have you ever wondered why God put you and your spouse together? Have you ever wondered why God gave you a special friend, a really good friend for life? God wants you to be loving and kind and loyal to each other. He wants to grace you. And if you are married and, and the one that God brought you is your spouse, God, if He so chooses, He's going to grace you with children. God wants you to live and to love and to be kind and to teach them in such a way so that they will grow up to love God, so that they will grow up to follow Jesus just like you did. God puts a godly woman and a godly man together so ideally they can raise up some godly children to be difference makers in their generation. And that's why God was waiting until this moment to bring Ruth and Boaz together. You want to imitate Boaz? You want to follow Ruth's great example to us? If you do, the action point today, and this is in your, this is in your bulletin at the bottom, the action point for today is very simple. Act kindly toward others at all times. Whenever you have the opportunity, act kindly toward others with love and then look because God is at work all the time. God notices. God will bless you for it. Look to see what God will do in that relationship. Amen? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. And I'm going to invite the choir because the choir is, is going to come up and sing a song. But in the meantime, would you bow your head with me for a word of prayer? Lord, we saw last week in our study of Ruth and reading those first few verses that there is no one on this planet who is not important to you. 
Every single person counts. Every person is made in your image. Whether they are born into one of a, a Christian, Christ-honoring family or whether they are born into a family that is far away from God, every person matters to you. And you are going to move heaven and earth. You are going to do an all-out search to try to reach everyone and to bring them into your family. And Lord, we've seen you do that. That somehow in your providence, you allowed this Israelite family to go down to Moab. And that's how they met Ruth. And that's how Ruth came to know you because of that. Lord, you say in the book of Revelation that there are going to be people from every tribe and tongue and language and ethnicity. Every people group on this planet Earth is going to be represented one day before your throne in heaven. Lord, we look forward to that day. We look forward to... Uh, how many Ruths that they are going to be in this world that are going to be reached by you because you inspire us to love them and to be kind to them and to bless them, to protect them and also, Lord, to give them the good news that there is a God who loves them and a Savior who gave his life for them. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to act kindly toward other people and then see what you will do in the midst of that for your own purposes and how you're going to arrange things providentially to bless them and to bless us. Lord, we love you, and we pray we'd be those kind people that make a difference in our families and in our community and in our culture. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.